0: This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, July 25th. The Cubs and Diamondbacks completing a three-game set at Wrigley Field. The Cubs taking two of those games, the game on Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. And Brendan, we, we did not have to jump on over the weekend. So for now, we are still in that uh, wait and see period with everybody.
1: Corey, I was not ready. I was not ready for the potential emotional turmoil that uh, I saw this series, seeing Chris Bryant in all like the jerseys mm-hmm. behind the on-deck circle and, you know, Javi hitting the three-run home run and seeing Rizzo and KB and Javi celebrate. Like, I'm I'm not ready for this. I thought I was. I thought I could ignore it. I cannot ignore this, Corey.
0: Yeah, and you know, on Sunday too, Chris and Anthony going back-to-back, a vintage Brizzo back-to-back home run situation to uh, get the scoring started on Sunday, and you know, being at the game, and I'm sure watching it on TV or listening to Pat Hughes on the radio, however you were enjoying it on this fine Sunday... You know, you're, you're like, oh, yeah, like, Brizzo, and then, like, you know, at least for me, you have a moment of, like, ah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen this many times. I hope to continue seeing it, but I'm not quite sure if I will. So, Ugh. yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird spot, um, definitely. And, uh, you know, I think especially for you and I, like, we've lived through some pretty some pretty important trade deadlines before, like I, I know you were in the same boat uh, back in the early 2000s, like refreshing uh, different websites to see where Carlos Beltran was going to go and, and, oh, yeah. and things like that. So, you know, we're, we're not uh, new to... Nomar no
1: Garcia Park. Yes,
0: right. Nomar, of course, in 2004 aramis ramirez that was a big uh, one uh yes jim hendry's uh best move perhaps uh, well oh, yes. i mean he drafted some some uh pretty significant players as well
1: but this is uh the jim hendry praise podcast yeah, not
0: where like. i expected this to go um let's put a stop to that real quick but yeah um you know this one is is a unique one because it's it's definitely i think one that has the potential for more uh farewells and those farewells being very significant ones if they do come to pass, but also, you know, not having as much of an impact on this particular season, you know, having so much more of an impact going forward. And of course, you know, during the rebuild, like when, you know, the Cubs traded Jeff Samarja, they traded Scott Feldman, things like that to uh get future assets back that, you know, obviously ended up playing a big role in 2015, 2016 and beyond, etc. Um we've we've seen this before but but that's also sort of a different kind of deadline because that, you know, is it just is geared uh to something different than what we're going through now. So it's it's all just getting back to again, you know, watching Brizzo go back to back or like you said Javi ripping a, a three-run home run with Brizzo on base in the game on Friday. It's uh, you know, there's four more home games before the trade deadline. And so, you know, being there this weekend, you're like, oh, man, like this is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a it weird vibe. Tough. There's a weird vibe at, at, at Wrigley Field uh, these last few
1: days. And I'm sure... I mean, are there more like ovations when they're on deck or being announced? Do you notice anything different than years past?
0: Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, I'm not... not no. I, I always wonder how much of the crowd is as finely tuned to that stuff as, you know, maybe uh, folks like you and I or our loyal listeners are, you know, kind of tuned into every little rumor and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. You just never know. But, you know, you did see the thing, like you mentioned, uh, you know, I think there was a fan that bought... I think it was like 100 Chris Bryant jerseys just to to have a, a moment to you know make sure your Chris saw a bunch of people there's a lot of number 17 jerseys anyway but you know sort of a particular right. statement of you know the fans love you hope you know that type of deal
1: and, and then the, the look on his face too was priceless. he, he definitely like, oh. noticed
0: yeah I'm glad he you glad he was able like, oh. to see that um so I, I, you know, I it's hard to say because at the same time, you know, now you're getting into that territory, man, where I think the crowd today was around like 32,000. So that's like 9,000 mm. less than capacity and looking around, a lot of empty seats, you know, and mm. coming off the heels of the last five years or so since 2015-ish, right, like that was a rarity, especially for a a Sunday afternoon in July. It doesn't matter that the Diamondbacks are terrible, right? So seeing so many empty seats, uh, it's it's a weird vibe. That's That's the only way that I can kind of explain it. There's clearly some folks in the stands who are trying to you know make sure that they're as loud as possible for these guys things like that you know you see a bunch of signs throughout the stadium that that people have made expressing similar sentiments um but you know it's it's not as though each of those three guys is getting like a standing ovation every time they come to the plate or anything like that and and perhaps that's again because you know not everyone is completely in in tune with every rumor or anything like that or you know, maybe people just, don't, you know, they they, they just don't want to start that process, right? And, you know, if they have to say farewell, they'll say farewell. But they don't want to uh, build themselves up for that
1: now. All right. I mean, every time I see them come up to bat, I'm like a wreck. Like, I'm thinking, oh, this could be their last at bat, right? So it's, it's um you know, I told yourself to ignore it. I I can't ignore it yeah. right now, Corey. I mean, no, this hard. is, uh this is, this is likely going to be their last homestand together it could be that friday afternoon game could have been their last home friday afternoon game together as that trio it's just it it sucks i mean deep down i still i will i will always think this like i still think that chris bryant even if he is dealt he has a good chance of coming back in the offseason just for a variety of different reasons so i'm gonna have to make myself think that even if he is traded but was not ready for this
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I think for a lot of us, you know, if you've had the the fortune of of going to any number of games uh, since a lot of these guys came up, um, obviously, you guys know, I've had season tickets throughout, uh, you know, you know, Chris Bryant's whole Cubs career, right? And and so uh, I've been very fortunate to watch him play in person and things like that. And, uh, you know, there was just a moment today where uh, the the PA announcer, you know, broadcast, you know, announces his name before he's coming up to the plate and you know it does just sort of hit you like we'll we'll save any actual farewells and things like that for if things happen right because as I've expressed especially uh, in terms of some of these guys I, I hope that they do not right and I hope that they're here for much longer and you know we're, we're talking about extensions uh, if not now you know in the fall or whatever at the end of the season but you know, there was just you know a moment sort of today where uh, you know, you hear like number seventeen, Chris Bryant. and I'm just like, man, like i've I've been here watching him like so many games, and uh, just the possibility of what's going on. it it certainly sort of starts to settle in, yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult to ignore. Just change
1: the stop check. I don't want uh-huh. Okay. Anymore. That's, that's cha- change Change we the stop check.
0: We can start talking about the fourth <laughs> place Chicago Cubs instead. Thank yeah, you. Much, much better <laughs> for me. Thank you. Much, much more fun topic for you guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Cubs... Taking two of three from the Diamondbacks this weekend um, can run through a little bit of, of went on. Again, trying to keep these recaps short as uh, the results are not super critical at this point in the season. Uh, but we do see what maybe figures to be Zach Davies' last outing as a Chicago Cub on Friday, five and a third, two earned two walks, and eight strikeouts. His ERA sits at 4.3. As we've kind of talked about, you know, uh, a wholly uninspiring season from Zach here in Chicago. I think certainly not uh, what people expected from him or, you know, maybe like hoped for, uh, especially having seen him with the Brewers for for so many years. Uh, I think we're hoping for a bit more consistency. But I, I I do think he's likely to be moved. I think, you know, again, like we've talked about before, the the lack of depth in terms of of starters around the league just figures to see somebody willing to take him on, maybe not for much. But uh, I would be surprised, I guess, Brendan, if he makes another start for the Cubs. It just sort of yeah. seems like a decent piece for somebody to pick up and add to their depth. Uh, the Cubs getting their runs on Friday. Javi with his 22nd home run of the year. That was the one that scored Brizzo in the first inning. And uh, Robinson Chirinos hitting two home runs in this game. Um, certainly would have been nice to have him
1: would a have few months nice, ago.
0: Because yes. um, he has, yep. I think, already like vastly outproduced the entirety of the backup catchers that the Cubs have run there. was
1: there. a stats that Brett put out. He already has more catching war than 30... 30- catchers in the league. I think it's like 0. Yeah. 0.4. So yeah, he already has. So very
0: good. And i will say too like he is thrilled to have gotten this opportunity with the Cubs. You know, he uh was talking I think after the game the other day about, you know, just how often um when he was with the Cubs organization prior, you know, he had sort of dreamed and and envisioned uh su- you know, doing this, hitting home runs at Wrigley Field and stuff like that and uh I think he said the other day on on the Marquee network that, you know, he was out there in, in the outfield before one of the games, uh, you know, just in tears, like that he's up here with the Cubs hitting home runs, having a good time. Uh, there was a great picture after uh, Wilson hit the home run on Saturday of Chirinos waiting for him, uh, you know, in the dugout or whatever, and they they had a big embrace and, and stuff like that. You can just tell that he's really thrilled to have gotten this opportunity and, uh, you know, to be playing well. So, yeah and uh brendan was you know certainly i think the angriest uh amongst people that i know about this but it is kind of Mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like okay you know too little too late in terms of having a and you know we'll see how he produces the rest of the year but cubs were desperate for any production from the backup catcher spot um for the majority of this season yeah and it was definitely an oversight after the caratini move with darvish and uh it is sort of, you know, kind of like, gee, great. Like, you know, it's it's fun watching Torino, so I'm glad he's succeeding, but uh it is kind of uh too little too late. So It is. Yeah, but is. still nice to see nonetheless. On Saturday, it was Alec Mills, five innings, three hits, two earned, two walks, just one strikeout gives up a home run. Uh ERA sitting at four point five five. Uh we've talked, you know, a good bit about him. Um, so, you know, a a, a decent start. He, He was rolling early and then things kind of, uh, unraveled a little bit for him in the fifth inning, but a really solid beginning to that game. So, you know, still, uh, something worth monitoring in terms of what Mills is able to do. Diamondbacks won this one seven to three. So I don't think you guys care about this, but Wilson did hit his 15th home run of the season. And then on Sunday, the Cubs getting all of their runs via the home run. Brizzo back to back in the first inning that put up a three spot on the board and then the returning David Bodie his sixth homer of the year that made it five to nothing and that was all of the scoring for the Cubs Trevor Williams with his uh, fourth win of the year six and a third five hits no runs no walks and six strikeouts really nice for Trevor Williams um, I know he was excited. He, he tweeted, uh, you know, how long he had waited to be able to pitch in front of, you know, such a big crowd at Wrigley Field because he's been hurt, you know, for, for this time and stuff when capacity came back. So uh, really nice moment for him. Arizona sucks, but still a nice start. And I'm sure Brendan will have some thoughts on Trevor and, you know, what he did today and what he can do in the future. Uh, before that, though, Brendan, I I... I I didn't want to lead with this because he doesn't deserve to be talked about that early in the podcast.
1: I already know where you're going with this. And and I'm going to
0: say, I don't know if you forgot to bring this up earlier. No, I did not. I did not. I I didn't. Uh, I just, like I said, he's not, you know, we're not- He does not not. deserve it. Yes, he doesn't. But I do wonder if our listeners have gotten to 13 minutes here and are going like, why have they not brought this up yet? This was all (laughs) they talked about for so long um but i i do want to take a moment and congratulate yeah. myself and all of our listeners because none of us have to watch eric sogard play baseball anymore brendan I don't know, I don't yes. know if we can time this right, but uh, you know, I was <laughs> we, we can't, but because we're, we're live <laughs> on the air. But I was gonna say, like, on three, we should yell DFAID. <laughs> but um, Eric Sogard was designated for assignment. He's gone. I don't know if he's gonna he's to accept the assignment. I don't know. Maybe he's he better not, not. he's he not, better out not of our lives. But for now, at least the Cubs finally speaking of too little too late, Brendan. Finally, I mean, one of the worst statistical players in ever. all of Major League Baseball for this ever. season is gone, and he is gone. not on the Cubs' active roster.
1: See you in hell, Eric. I I could not believe what we witnessed. What is it? Three months? Endure? Really? Months? Not witnessed? Endure? What we went through? I mean, dude, when we were in first place, him batting fifth. Like what like what was going through their heads? So he will be DFA'd, having accumulated 180 plate appearances, all worth negative point three war. He is the worst offensive player in baseball with an expected over of, of 226. His overall base running is among the worst. His defense was god-awful. I swear to God, Corey, I'm not exaggerating you. Give me a baseball glove. I'm making those plays that he messed up. I promise you. At least I'm paying attention to what's going on. I'm not smirking after making an error. He was the worst, the absolute worst player I ever watched in a Cubs uniform ever. Way worse, even than Nafy Perez. Oh, like, my. I'm comfortable saying Nafy Perez's name on air because we got to we had to endure Eric Sogard. Never again. This better not happen ever. I don't care if the Cubs are 50 games below 500. This should never ever happen again, Corey.
0: Yeah. Um it's funny. You could hear like the absolute like like <laughs> hatred <laughs> but, in your voice yeah, my, like vo- my you voice is talking. quivering.
1: I'm so upset about that.
0: Yeah. Man, I saw that text from <sighs> uh, cubs.com, Jordan uh Jordan Bastion, and I was like the relief in my heart, Brendan. I was just you could frame Ooh, that tweet. I didn't tweet. believe it. Yeah,
1: I didn't believe it. I had to refresh it (laughs) 10 times. I'm like, am I seeing this correctly? Because I've made mistakes before. Where's that check mark? Is the check mark there? And yeah. I also
0: had so many people text me and just be like, oh my God, (laughs) Brendan must be so happy. I'm so happy for Brendan (laughs) and his mental health
1: yeah well I needed it I mean of course it happens like the week before they trade Chris Bryant and all these other guys so just pile it on everyone pile it on yes
0: so that is uh the roster stuff but before we get into pitching since we're we're talking about you know second baseman and stuff like that just wanted to touch on David Bodie being back um good to see him back you know that was one too where you'll remember he hurt himself on that slide you know where uh you know he injured his shoulder and stuff and that looked bad and you know at the time Mm -hmm. really we're not not sure if he was even going to come back this season. Cause you know, when you first saw it and you're you're thinking about those types of injuries, you're like, man, like this this looks pretty bad. Um he looked to be in a lot of pain. I mean, I think he was in tears, if I remember correctly, uh, writhing around at second base, like really in pain. So good to see him back uh, this quickly. And he kind of fits into that mold that we've talked about before, where now you've got the time over these next few months to kind of see what he's able to do. You know, he was not having the best season uh, when he went down. Uh, but not as bad necessarily as some other guys that we've talked about. You know, he, he exits the game on Sunday with uh, just a 204 batting average and a 645 OPS. Um, he has hit, that was his sixth home run on Sunday. And he's one of those guys, I'm going to say it first because I know you're going to say it, Brendan, but he's always been kind of a expected stat darling in a way uh maybe that's not the right way to phrase it but he hits the ball hard I mean he even had some hard hit balls that went for outs aside from the home run on Sunday but it doesn't always translate for him and he's kind of one of those guys where you're you know, I, we've kind of cautioned you guys in the past where we say the expected numbers and then after we read the expected numbers series after series after series, you're like, okay, well, you, you know, you guys probably are getting sick of this because the results aren't coming. But he does fit that mold of he's uh, pretty cheap. The Cubs obviously extended him a couple years ago. Uh, and at least for the rest of the year, you know, you can get him in there and and kind of figure out what his role might be going forward if you'd like him to have one. You know, I think we're probably past the point, Brendan, of him being an everyday player or thinking that that's going to work successfully. But again, like a lot of other guys on offense and on the pitching side, you know, just kind of figuring out, like, okay, this guy, you know, has made some strides. Here's what he needs to improve on to just be a— You know, against left-handed pitching, platoon guy, or uh, you know, playing second or third when guys are hurt, or things like that. You you have some time now that he's back to see if he can make some adjustments, get those numbers in a better place, and kind of factor himself into those plans uh, as we head into next season.
1: Yeah, it's good to see David back. Uh, The context has changed since we last talked about him. Before we were discussing. Whether Duffy should get his playing time or more of his playing time, whether Nico should be playing every single day. And now given the fact that KB has a strong likelihood of being traded, we think in the next week it does open up playing time at third base. Maybe Patrick Wisdom goes to the outfield and they shift everyone around. Maybe even Nico goes to the outfield and you have David play second base. There's there's more options to get him in. And I, I do think the expected Woba or expected numbers, Darlene does fit his name pretty well. The one thing I will say about expected Woba, that number takes an insane amount of plate appearances to stabilize. So just because he has an ex Woba of 350 doesn't really mean that within the last whatever it is now, hundred or so plate appearances, that that's like a reliable sample. You kind of have to make your best judgment call here and understand the limitations of these expected numbers. So if you watch the games and you think, huh, that's interesting. That's like two line drives in that right field gap. I kind of remember seeing that two weeks ago, you look at those numbers. Sure enough, yes, his expected numbers are better than his actual numbers. That's where it kind of gives you more confidence that those numbers are accurately giving you useful information. It's still possible too. Let's say you have 100 plate appearances. The exit VLO is not the best, but for some reason you're pulling the ball like crazy down the line or going oppo down the line. Even though those are not really reliable, stable types of base hits, it's going to be reflected in your expected numbers. For David, I don't really see those expected numbers being confounded by some like BS contact. Like I I, I think that. He's made adjustments against high fastballs this year, and there was a home run earlier in the year and some extra base hits earlier in the year where he was hitting 99 plus mile per hour fastballs up in the zone, and he he never did that in past years, and he's changed some of his batting mechanics, and that kind of signaled to me maybe he's adjusting, or if he's not adjusting, at least very aware of the scattering ports and anticipating that. I, I, I'm not sure. But it's all to say that I do want to see more of this. I think we're at the point because we're not actively trying to compete this season. Now let's see what we have for him for utility spot next year. I don't see David as like a starting player yeah. at this point. There's too much. There's too much uncertainty for me with him there, uh, for no fault of his own, and to some degree, yeah, some some fault of his own. But we've got to a point where, yeah, he has a $15 million contract over five years. The the cost is extremely cheap. And if he's a utility player where he can get 350, 400 play appearances a year at multiple positions, that's valuable. And let's see what he has. And maybe if he gets his more playing time, then the context changes. Our discussion changes. He makes adjustments. And then we do talk about him as a potential starter, even though that seems a little bit unlikely at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like, you've got the time, so figure it out, yeah. you know, and, and similar with guys like Wisdom, um, you know, and there's uh, any anybody else that you want to bring. Like, at, at this point, like, I, I, not to belabor, like, the point on Hayward or whatever, and I, I don't, like, really expect them to just eat that money and move on, right, um, even though you're, you know, you're going to deal with this for a little while longer, but y- you got to prioritize the playing time of guys who can still maybe make those strides make those adjustments and have a potential bigger role going forward um it's all just to say like i'm not really interested in seeing if jason hayward has figured out how to hit for the 500th time you know while he's got a 620 ops or whatever it is right he's not going to he's (laughs) on the back end of that contract he's older the defensive metrics aren't as good like it is what but he it might is. My play
1: next year, Corey. I mean, to play devil's advocate, he's under contract for two more seasons, right? So, like, you're not going to get rid of him unless they do. Well, I Cup mean, look eight.
0: if if you if if they believe that, right? Like that, it's worth letting him try to make adjustments again for the five millionth time. It's not going to happen, though. Like, he looks terrible, man. Um, so, to me, I would just you know, if he, if you're not going to move on from him, whatever he's a defensive replacement starting, you know, a couple times a week maximum just to give guys breaks. But I, at this point, like, the the games you have left are valuable capital, as we talked about, to get some of these guys playing time and to let guys try to break through and make those adjustments. You know, Patrick Wisdom is one of those guys where you expect him to come down to earth and you expect him to struggle, uh, especially with his K rate being where it is. But, so what right like you've unearthed a little something here right he's been very valuable for you for the time that he's been up here let him play through it and see if he's able to make those adjustments right maybe he won't be and it's similar to some of these other guys you you have to platoon him or at specific matchups things like that but figure that out what are you going to figure out with jason hayward that you don't already know at this point you know what i mean so I would just be more interested in that. I think Bodie fits that category, right? And we've talked about Hap. You know, this was uh, another weekend where he doesn't play every day. Yeah. You don't see. That's him a every weird day. one, man. And uh, yeah, I'm not. I, again, that that situation is pretty, is is pretty <laughs> confusing for me. Did he not start any? No, he didn't start any of these games. I thought he had started one of them. I, he did not start he any game. He did of not start any
1: game. Like, what are, so they, what doing are they gonna there? What are they going to do with I, him? I, I if don't not, know. We've talked about this, this, is this so much,
0: but I just don't... Again, we've talked about Hap in the context of I don't really understand the value of him succeeding at AAA in terms of using that as a predictor for his major league performance, but not playing at all like just getting these random like pinch hit at
1: bats i i just i don't know what that's doing for him right I mean, that's what i mean that's Weird. i'm not saying like hey i think it makes sense for him to go to strip away but if you're not gonna play him right then like what are we doing here you yeah yourself, you know because then is he, valuable you know, capital. especially
0: like he had that big hit in the Cardinals series which i'm sure was a huge lift for him mentally but you mm-hmm. know when when you don't play a guy not only do they not have the opportunity to make those adjustments but again other than that that big pinch hit against the cardinals you know mentally you're kind of bogged down in this state because you're you're you don't have an opportunity to reverse it so he's just sort of sitting there uh ground you know he he grounded out in i think the uh one of the the pinch hit attempts this weekend you know weekly flew out in another like he's just sort of stuck in in this uh position where he is with these statistics and these numbers and these struggles and I I, yeah it's uh, it's an interesting spot and you know maybe with with potential moves and things like that the the playing time opens up but it has been pretty curious uh, that he has not gotten the playing time I just I'm not sure what you're uh, planning on having happen there and and I do appreciate at the same time you know them giving uh, someone like Rafael Ortega A more extended look you know he's he certainly had an interesting season has shown you a little bit um you know for a guy that is uh i think about my age brennan i think he's 30 but old you know overall in the year hitting 280 750 ops has played you know fine defense at least from the eye tests that i've seen um hit a couple homers like i I appreciate them giving him a more extended look he's put together some nice at bats he's got a nice approach at the plate Um, at times fighting off pitches seeing pitches so I appreciate that at at, in 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 that context but for Happ it's it's just a it's a very confusing state where I'm not really sure what they're expecting to have happen there if he's just getting these like random seventh inning pinch hit spots Um, yeah That's that's a pretty confusing one, but I want to uh, stay on the offense since we're talking about some of these guys. And I know that you I want to I want to touch on Nico Horner just a little bit, um, just because he's rather important to the future, of course, of this team. Um, and just kind of checking in with him. You know, we've talked about him a little bit, I think, at the end of the last podcast, but just kind of want to uh, get in the habit of kind of checking on, you know, where he's at. So as of this moment after Sunday's game, counting Sunday's game, um, he is now just below... Uh, league average WRC plus at 99. So, you know, just uh, 100 is league average. So just a tick below a 296 batting average, 364 on base percentage, 360 slugging percentage. Brendan is going to talk about that in a second, a 9.3% walk rate and a 13.6% K rate. So both of those numbers, good. Uh, has played really good defense i i think you know that is clear and i think we've known that um but the dude is a very good defensive second baseman so at the very least you know in the time that he's been up he can definitely handle the position he can play it very well he's going to provide you good value there as a defensive second baseman defensive baseball player so that part of the game you know i expect him to get better he'll get more comfortable out there for sure but in terms of, you know, how that plays at the major league level, he's a very good defensive second baseman. So it's yeah. about the offense and yep. I think, you know, as of right now in 137 plate appearances, he's been worth 0.6 wins above replacement. So, um, you know, given his defense and how young he is, you know, that's that's a valuable second baseman if you're putting that over the course of Uh, a full 162 game season if he's playing there every day you know with offensive numbers like this but you would hope those offensive numbers get better and I think the one area that you want to focus on Brendan is the lack of power that we've seen from Nico Um, it's always good to see him you know lining balls to center lining balls the other way he had uh, a nice swing I think this weekend lining a ball down the right field line for a double and uh You know, so so you've seen some of those strides, but you're not seeing any power from him so far. And I think that's one thing that could potentially, you know, kind of like elevate that game. And in particular, over these next few months, if we're kind of identifying things for him to be improving on or kind of giving you more confidence that he's really gonna kill it at that second base spot every day for the Cubs going into twenty twenty two, it seems like that's the place where he needs to do it.
1: Yeah, the the power needs to come up. Um now if he's gonna be kind of like a lower twenty percentile power guy, that's fine. Like I'm I'm fine with that. I think five to ten homers a year, under ten homers a year, around five, that that's that's completely fine given his ability to beat out ground balls, his speed, he's in the 90th percentile for speed, he has great bat to ball skills. That's cool. I at this point still want to see a little a little bit more power. He has made changes this year both against certain pitches and his overall approach and mechanics we know going into the season he opened up his batting stance. he's a little bit more open with that front side and he was working with Vileka in the offseason to do that and to get a little bit stronger I mean we saw in spring training he gained he gained mass he looked bigger and so I expected maybe that will contribute to some more power and we're not we're not really seeing it his expected home run rate this year is zero uh so it's not as if he's getting unlucky um But the one positive he's made this year is he's doing really good against fastballs. Last year in 2020, in the COVID season, he was a negative three runs against sinkers and four-seamers. This year, Corey, he's positive nine runs against sinkers and four-seamers. That is a massive improvement. The issues this year are against off-speed. So his expected weighted on-base average against off-speed pitches is 1%. 80, so that's that's where the next line of improvement needs to happen. Is is expected WOBA against fastballs, 360. So that's the difference. The one weird thing with Nico this year is his launch angle is actually higher in 2021 than than it was in 2019 when he debuted by about four degrees. I don't know if that's like actually significant in terms of uh, expecting different extra, extra base hits or anticipating future results it doesn't seem to be and is expected weighted on base numbers right now but that might be an underlying attempt to at least elevate the ball a little bit more but we do need to see it i think if we're not going to have any home runs and you know a 300 plate appearance sample then the problem is we have to rely on nico batting above 300 with this stable walk rate and i i think him batting 300 is feasible consistently but it's just you want more room for error in that batting average so if you can have a little bit more power than that margin for error and not relying extensively to bet actually 300 on a year-to-year basis would be huge for him. But he's a plus defender. He's in the 95th percentile for outs above average at second base. Visually, he looks amazing out there at second base. I think his arm strength has improved over the last two years. Maybe he's even a capable shortstop. I I think he is personally. Uh, That's an opinion other people don't share. But I think overall, he continues to improve. He continues to hit fastballs this year. And the next step for him is just hitting those off-speed pitches and improving the power. Yeah, well, I
0: mean, I think that's uh, a much more thorough deep dive on Nico than I can provide. But I, I think you know, again, like we want to just kind of provide some context to what to maybe look for in these next few months from some of these guys. Um, you know, obviously, it's easy if in a couple weeks, you know, we can sit here and say Nico's got a you know one ten WRC plus or something like that. You know, it's it's easy to to share those numbers and be like, oh, okay, you know, that's good things like that, but. I think, you know, trying to identify things specifically, like what we want to see from these guys... is helpful. And, you know, if you start to sort of see that pop there, that that's what's going to make him a more well-rounded player. Uh, and ultimately, you know, there there's, I think, a, a range of what kind of player he can be, just given his skill set, you know, like, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, he's, he's not like Fernando Tatis Jr., right? Like, he's never going to be that type of player. But there's a range, you know, from, okay, he's just a, you know, very good defensive player, closer to average hitter, maybe a little below, a little above that type of thing. you know that that's sort of one version of him there there's obviously a version that's that's uh you know uh, a more worst case outcome where he's sort of just a defensive second baseman. And then there's that kind of higher end, which is you know I think what Brendan is, Trying to will him into with you know this sort of deep dive here, which is a, a very well-rounded player that is not hitting 30 home runs a year, but has a little bit of pop to go along with being able to use the whole field, hit line drives, make a lot of contact, not strike out at an you know an obscene rate, take those walks, and you know just be a very well-rounded, valuable second baseman for the Cubs, which I I think is the version of him that they drafted out of Stanford, given his profile and and just the type of athlete that he. Is. Is. So that is where things stand on Nico, and I think that's where things stand on the offense. I don't think there's uh, much else to write home about there in terms of the Chicago Cubs offense. So let's talk about the pitching a little bit. Uh, nothing to really touch on in terms of Zach Davies, but anything on Alec Mills or Trevor Williams. I think Trevor Williams maybe in particular um, you know, again, with, with, with Mills and Williams, like we talked about last time, it's, it's not so much about deciding if they can be guys in the rotation or, you know, one of those five guys that, that break camp as the starters, but just increasing that depth and, uh, you know, increasing the amount of guys that Jed Hoyer can say, okay, these guys can get major league hitters out. Can they do it over eight shutout innings? Maybe not, right? Are they going to do it in a Cy Young context? You know, with those two guys, I would say certainly not. But can they do it in some context that we can put into our roster and help us be competitive next year and help us be productive? That's what I think you're trying to figure out. And, you know, I think for Mills, Again, like it's it's not a start on Saturday that jumps off the page or is particularly exciting numbers-wise, but there, there's clearly something there, right? He has the ability to get major league hitters out. He's able to put some some he he's throws some pitches every now and again that have some really nice movement on them. He changes speeds uh really nicely. He's got a, a very slow curveball that he breaks out there to go along with his, you know, already slow fastball, but a very slow curveball and you know clearly there is something there that works and again like everybody else you've got a few months now you've got plenty of innings that you need people to eat figure out what type of role that is with these guys but anything from you from these starts on Saturday and Sunday from those two guys that kind of jumped out at you
1: yeah let's talk about Shriver. so the last start I thought it was interesting how, for the first time in his career, he swapped his four seam and his sinker and he threw way more sliders. So I thought, huh, that's interesting. So we're seeing maybe a trend away from the four seam towards the sinker and slider, kind of like what we saw with Alzali. This start. Completely threw that idea out the window. He threw 52 four seam fastballs and only six sinkers in 104 pitches. He did throw 24 sliders, but still, he really spiked that sinker usage and that slider usage relative to his four seam last start. So, I don't know if the last start thing was a scouting report change or this one too against the D backs was a scouting report change, and he still anticipates throwing. Those sinkers in the next few starts, but it's a weird trend. It's not even really a trend, it's like an extreme in both directions. He usually never throws this few sinkers, but last start, he never really threw that many sinkers. So it's like a weird extremum on both ends here. I I, I don't know what to think of that, Corey. The takeaway I have is he's with Tommy Hottaby searching for changes to make and. In two starts consecutively, he's looked pretty good. I mean, this start here looked really good. The command was among the best we've seen in the Cubs uniform. His four-seam fastball, every single one thrown in the upper portion of the zone. Not one four-seam fastball down in the zone. So his command was better, and it's good to see that the four-seam is still being intended to be thrown upwards in the zone. And he made an interesting point in uh, his, his post game press conference. He was talking about, uh, you know, many of the topics we've seen Tommy Otterby talk about and even that we've talked about on this podcast. He was basically saying that even without his velo, comparing him, which is around 92 to guys around 95, what makes him unique is that release point. And he, like, actually said, my release point makes me unique. I thought that was kind of funny. So if we see that, that low release point with those high four seamers used effectively, because of that release point, because of that plane, he might have a better chance of getting more whiffs. And we did see that today. He had five whiffs in 52 uh, four seams and in 33 swings. So overall, from a call strike percentage and a, and a whiff percentage, half of his fastballs we're productive, Corey. That's what you want to see with a picture of Trevor Williams' stuff. And we're not asking for him to be an ace, not asking for him to be a number two, not even a number three. Based on his arbitration going into next year, if they want to pick that up, he could be a solid number four back end of the rotation guy at a really effective price. Someone who's capable of going 25 plus starts a year and also showing potential room for improvement. It's the same type of concept that we talked about going into the season, and we did not see it for the first two months And then an injury happened. But we have more time to evaluate. And in the next two months, I think it's a, a realistic chance that we come out of 2021 thinking that Williams is a sure lock for the rotation next year.
0: Yeah. So uh, another guy to keep an eye on is Justin Steele, who I expect is going to be getting yeah. starts soon in the Chicago Cubs rotation. He has uh, not yet been called up or you know put into that role, uh, but he has been stretched out. We've talked about this for a little while now and uh he is getting those opportunities and you know is being stretched out he's the the Velo appears to be there from the folks that are at these games and you know kind of reporting on that and I'm very curious to see him get this opportunity. Um, you know, and and this is this is going to be another one, I think, Brendan, where you're you're going to have to be patient, right? I you know, and and sort of let him make those adjustments work into this, especially for a guy who is transitioning from relieving to starting in the middle of a season here which is uh not necessarily an easy thing to do for anyone but uh, we we've seen the success that he had coming out in relief sometimes long relief for the Cubs in 2021 throughout the season and you know now you're sort of seeing him get this opportunity uh to start I'm I'm rather intrigued by by what he might be able to do. So his last start was on uh, Friday, July 23rd, in Iowa for the Iowa Cubs, or it was a road game, but for the Iowa Cubs, he went four innings, uh, gave up two hits, one earned run, walked three, and struck out four. So obviously the walk number is high, but uh, to be fair, I you sort of expect something like that for a guy, again, transitioning from being a reliever, now being stretched out, has to manipulate his pitches different, has to sequence things different, and has to maintain... Uh, you know his mechanics and velocity and all that stuff over a longer period. I think that that's just sort of what goes along with being stretched out. But uh, you know the hit number, the run number, still getting some whiffs and strikeouts. It it looks good and it's rather intriguing, Brendan. So I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to. I don't know if that swap is going to be perhaps Zach Davies getting dealt somewhere, and then they bring Steele up. I don't know how many innings they'd like him to hit, uh, but his most recent one was four. So he's he's getting there, he's working towards it, and I think it's inevitable that at some point you're seeing him get uh, at least some starts at the major league level.
1: Yeah. Steele, when we saw him, was a fastball slider guy. And his slider has more break than 100% than that of your average slider in professional baseball. So his slider is, is, is legit. He was throwing 98. He sat basically by the end of his long outing in AAA around 93 to 95. And that that's going to play well as a starter if he can go four or five innings. And maybe by September, I don't know what their plans are for him, but if he's capable of showing that he can go six innings, that would be huge. But I'm expecting once he comes up, we're going to see those fastballs, we're going to see those sliders, we're going to see those curves, even though the curve makes up uh, his least used pitch in his repertoire. So he's a four-seam guy, slider guy, sinker guy, curveball guy in that order. He might have some issues similar to what we've seen with Azulay in terms of not having a pitch that goes the other way for a secondary pitch. Azulay might be using more changeups ups uh, in the next few months. We'll see if that actually happens. Azulay's attempt to get better results against lefties was to actually throw a tighter version of a slider, and that's his cutter. So maybe we see something similar with Justin Steele in the next few months, even though at this point it's probably more of a, hey, can you start? Can you get through multiple innings than it is about, hey, can you develop another pitch for me? But overall, you have to be excited about it. To have a lefty that can go 93 to 95 on average and touch 98 right. with a with a slider that's better this has a hundred percent more movement than an average slider yeah you got to be excited about it right so i think uh greg huss from the growing cubs podcast that we've
0: had on uh this podcast before was at this game i believe or at least his tweets made it seem that way um but he said struck out the first batter of the game swinging on a 98 mile an hour fastball uh in the second Belo was around 96, and then it, you know, came down sitting around 93 to 95 for those, uh, the third and fourth inning. So, you know, did come back down to earth, and I, I certainly don't think you're expecting him to sit at 98, of course. Uh, but like you said, I mean, a, a left-hander while he's getting stretched out that can sit 94, 95, like that's not specifically something that we've seen in the in the Cubs rotation. Uh, so it's it's exciting. It's intriguing. And I think, you know, again, like you're, you're just trying to find as many of these guys that you can give these opportunities to and figure out what you've got, right? And, and I keep repeating this sort of sentiment, but I, I do think it's a really good frame of reference for what you're looking for for some of these guys. I mean, obviously, if Justin Steele comes up and is just dealing and you know now you're able to think like oh you know wow like do we have a top of the rotation left-handed starter of course that's like the ideal outcome right but in a more realistic like pragmatic sense what you're trying to figure out is how many holes can you fill on the the 2022 roster with productive players they they that can range right from great to good to okay just a little above average whatever it is but how many of those guys can we find that then jed hoyer does not have to spend money on and again i don't know what the budget's going to be i hope it's very high i hope it's you know top five in the league whatever it is over the luxury tax you know let's let's build this team back as quickly as possible but whatever it is, there will be a number, and the, the more positions you can fill with guys that you have on control that are, you know, yet to be in arbitration or headed to arbitration, things like that, then you can spend that money on extending players like Chris Bryant or signing big-time free agents, whether it's, you know, names like Javi Baez or Trevor Story or Corey Seeger, whoever it is, right? Those are just the first names that, that, that come to mind. Yeah, you're but, a big
1: uh, Trevor Story guy.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but if you can answer some of these questions and just say, okay, we've got a couple of rotation spots, even if it's the four or five, figured out. We know where Kyle Hendricks is. Okay, so that's only, you know, a couple spots that that we need to fill, or one spot that we need to fill, and we'd feel like we'd have a competitive, you know, rotation that can battle, give you good starts, and, you know, with uh, so many of these guys being younger, you'd feel like you'd have some potential upside there, right? Same with the offense. Like, you don't necessarily need to have all eight, positions in the field figured out by the time this season ends just with guys that are currently on your roster or coming over in trades whatever it is but if you can say okay we we like this guy for a bench role we like this guy for a platoon role we could try this guy as a starter things like that based on what you see in the next few months it just gives you more capital to work with the less questions you have to answer via free agency and money and things like that the better right so steel is is one of many in a a line of intriguing guys that you want to see get those opportunities is it going to work is it going to be great i don't know remains to be seen but it is totally worth trying and the potential payoff is is important for this team yep
1: okay so let's preview this upcoming set against the cincinnati reds Four game set first starts on Monday. We have a 7:05 p.m. start time at Wrigley Field. Kyle Hendricks takes the ball for the Cubs, 12 and four, a 3.61 ERA. Wade Miley takes the ball for the Reds, eight and four, 2.72 ERA. Having a good year for the Reds. On Tuesday, we have another night game, 7:05 p.m. start time. We have Adbert Sánchez on the mound for the Cubs, a four and ten record with a 4.58. ERA, he'll be facing Vladimir Gutierrez for the Reds with a 4-3 record, a 4.97 ERA. And then on Wednesday, Cubs back at it at another night game. We have uh, Tyler Malley for the Reds, a 7-3 record, a 3.92 ERA. Zach Davies, maybe, maybe his last start. I don't know. Maybe he's traded before then, but on the year, he's 6-6. With a 4.3 ERA that night game again 7:05 p.m. And then on Thursday to finish off this four game set we have an afternoon game we have Alc Mills taking amount mound for the Cubs Mills on the year a four and three record a 4.55 ERA he'll be facing the rest Luis Castillo who on the year is four and ten with a 4.2 ERA. Reds fifty one and forty eight, somewhat in the hunt. I'm not sure what they have uh, planned to do at the deadline, but they're above five hundred. Kind of just you know, I guess in that playoff wild card scenario, who knows? But what I'm looking for this series is uh, emotional supports. This could be the last Cubs series with Tony, with Javi, with KB. Um, yeah. That's it. I'm expecting to trade almost every single day. I wake up in the morning and I'm just hoping that today's not the day. I know. You know I'm checking. I'm checking my phone. I am just hoping I get no I, text messages from I dread from opening you. my
0: phone every morning. I now. know.
1: It's like, oh, just please, God, not today. Give me one more day. Yeah. So honestly, like, that's that's all that's on my mind, Corey.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, I mean, I'd have to agree with you. Um, you know, again, we we pretty much, these whole podcasts now are basically what to look for in these upcoming series, because that's, that's sort of where this season has taken us. But uh, yeah, I mean, put really simply, I, uh, I am going to go to a few games in this Red Series, maybe all of them, probably all of them, but uh, at least a few of them. And uh, I'm going to put on a Chris Bryant jersey, or I'm going to put on an Anthony Rizzo jersey. I'm going to go to Wrigley Field, and I am going to watch Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez play baseball for the Chicago Cubs. Beyond that, we'll talk about it when we get there. But for now, that's what I'm going to do. been doing it for years. Whether you're going to the games, watching on TV, watching on game day, listening to Pat Hughes, whatever you're doing, I implore you. Just try to enjoy watching these guys play for the Chicago Cubs. It's
1: hard. Corey. I hope it's hard. I
0: hope that they will be doing that come next week, two weeks from now, whatever. Uh, but I can't say that with certainty. So they they'll be there, I guess I can't even say with certainty <laughs> tomorrow night, but um, <laughs> stop while you can just try to enjoy it and you don't have to think about the context or anything just watch kb anthony javi play for the chicago cubs and we'll take it from wherever we have to take it whenever we get there as always we will get through this together i promise i make no promises of (laughs) uh what brendan and i will sound like if some of these things happen i i I'm not sure it will be helpful uh, because Brendan and I are complete psychopaths, but we will get through this together. As always, this time of year, if we need to jump on uh, before the Red Series is over and uh, talk to you guys about something that has happened, we will do that. Um, Otherwise, we will talk to you in a few days when the Cubs and Reds finish things up. We thank you for listening to and supporting the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you soon. And as always... Go cups.